And this is Andrew, and this is Hugging and Learning, a podcast where we look back at very special episodes from the 70s, 80s, and 90s to see if they can teach us anything today. Yeah, and we just want to do a quick check-in, recap, post-mortem on our click-or-treat Halloween listener drive. Yep. Guys, you knocked it out of the park. For real. It was fucking great. We got all these great shares and comments and likes and people telling their friends. We got some new iTunes reviews, which is super helpful in uh, getting more eyes on ears on the podcast. Absolutely. These last two episodes have been through the roof as far as listeners are concerned. We're just, we're delighted. Yeah. And now we've got, we're looking at our stats and we've got listeners in Ireland. Ireland. We've got listeners in Indonesia. Australia. China and and Japan well, and Japan. Mexico and Canada. Uh, all uh, over the U.S., still mostly in California, and then secondarily, it looks like New York. Nice. And then both uh, Virginia, where you're from, Louisiana, where I'm from. Oh, great. Very well represented. Thanks, Virginia people. Let's see. North Dakota. We have not managed to break into that market yet. If you know someone in North Dakota who yeah. needs a good podcast to listen to, let them know about hugging and learning. <laughs> and if you are one of the people who helped us out on social media or on the iTunes reviews, you can expect your sticker in the mail very soon, as long as you sent us your address. Yes. We need your address in order to get the sticker out to you, and obviously we can't enter you in the grand prize drawing unless we know where the grand prize will eventually go. So if you already participated in Click or Treat, you did one of the, the social media things, shoot us a quick email, huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com. We promise we're not going to use your address or email address for anything other than getting you a sticker and possibly the very special prize package, which we will draw the name ne- next episode. Yeah, next episode, we're going to figure out who won the grand prize and who everyone should be super jealous of because I want that mug really yeah, bad. We don't even have those mugs. We only made one. We only we could only <laughs> secure enough kiln time <laughs> right. for one mug. So, yeah. So thank you so, so, yeah. so, so much for everything. Yeah, keep it going. Keep telling people. Yeah, keep telling. Don't just stop now. Don't just clam up about it now. Sure, prizes are fun, but isn't our happiness the greatest reward? (laughs) Isn't it the ultimate treat? I think so. Amazing. Well, now that we have checked in about that, let's let's, uh, launch into today's episode. This week... We are doing Facts of Life. The episode is called Runaway. Mm -hmm. This is from season three. It's episode 18. First premiered February 24th, 1982, and written by Bernard Bunnell Mack. Who also wrote on Different Strokes, Small Wonder, and The Jeffersons, according to IMDb. Not a shocking shocking surprise. Somewhere. Just as a spinoff. Mm-hmm. Of Different Strokes. Yes, this is a, The Facts of Life is a spinoff of Different Strokes, and it ran for nine seasons, 203 episodes between 1979 and 1988. You can buy this episode for $1.99 on Amazon Prime Video. So before we get into the meat of the episode, let's uh, talk about our snack. I'm delighted by this because I haven't had these in forever, and now... 
there's a fancy new flavor for these fancy new cookies. Mm-hmm. We got Pepperidge Farm Milano toasted marshmallow cookies. Yeah, you know how we feel about s'mores related, s'mores adjacent things around I here. I mean, I got it because I felt like toasted marshmallows will usher us into this new season. But if it accidentally tastes like <laughs> s'mores, uh, yeah, what am I going to do? It's going to taste like s'mores. Yeah. All right, this is very exciting. Let's uh, let's eat some cookies. Success! <laughs> These were great. I mean, what are you going to say? They tasted like s'mores, which is all I want to have happen in my life right. for everything. I don't think they're as good what? as you do. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't think that I don't taste any sort of toasted. Get your hands off that bag, then. <laughs> any sort of smoky to- toastedness. They just taste like cartoon, not cartoon, like cereal marshmallows. Yeah, man. On a Milano cookie? Uh-huh. I mean, they're fine. If these were at a party, I would eat a bunch of them. If I were going to buy Milano cookies, they make like a mint chocolate flavor eh. that is superior. Maybe someday old wounds will heal and they will make a Milano toasted mint marshmallow. And I just feel like that's that's putting a hat on a hat there. Just- yeah, which is a great idea. <laughs> The lady who drove me in an Uber today had two hats on. I'm not lying. She had like a visor and it was like a small visor, but then like clipped onto that was like a larger visor. So joke's on you. You know what the best, the best fake s'more experience you can have is a s'mores pop tart because then you put it in the toaster and it's actually hot and melty. Uh Yeah. That's the best way to fake a s'more. Look, you, you made up. The rule that we have to do a different snack every week, which is the only reason why we aren't doing s'mores pop tarts every Every single week. Yeah, I mean, we're doing that. I'm still trying to find a loophole (laughs) in the system which will allow this. So let's talk about a goddamn episode of television. How about that? Yeah. So as you mentioned, the Facts of Life was originally a spinoff of Different Strokes. Mm -hmm. Mrs. Garrett, who is the central figure of the Facts of Life was the season one housekeeper for the Drummonds on Different Strokes. And at the end of season one, it was mentioned that she had accepted a job to go be a house mother at a boarding school. Seems as though, based on my research, that the last episode of Different Strokes' first season was a backdoor pilot in which... Yes. Edna Garrett goes up to the... It's it's the East Lake School at that point. They change it. And solves a couple problems. And they're like, well, our house mother lady just quit you should do it and she's like no i won't i'll stay with the drummonds forever and then i guess next season she was she was there yes and also kimberly drummond the whole point the whole reason she went up to the schools kimberly is supposed to be a student here kimberly is no longer at the school when Mm -mm. because she's still doing different strokes so the show is set as you may have picked up at a fictional all-girls boarding school called Eastland School, which is located in Peekskill, New York. Peekskill. A notable thing about The Facts of Life is that the series cast is entirely female. Yeah. Mrs. Garrett, as we said, the house mother. And then basically by the time we get to season three, we have four main girls, right. students that are the pillars of the show. Blair, the spoiled blonde rich girl. Natalie, who's impressionable and naive. Joe is a scholarship student from the Bronx, a little rough around the edges and then Tootie is the youngest she's bubbly and kind of gossipy and she's the only person of color in the uh in the in the cat in the 
What is the word I'm looking for? The central cast. The central cast, the regular cast, the ensemble. The ensemble. That's good. Yeah, it's so much so that so much so that the characters in the first three seasons are just. If you look back at them, you're like, you ain't gonna make it. Well, they included Molly Ringwald. By well, the way. yeah, I was about to say the first season featured seven girls and mm. Mrs. Garrett, and after but after that first season, the producers were like, this is too many featured characters for a half hour format, and they're not wrong. Yeah, so four characters were written off, including Molly, who was played by Molly Ringwald. Yep. And then as the show moved into later seasons, remember it was on the air for nine years, it had to deal with things like the girls need to graduate and things, yes. you know, like they had to refresh they its format open a bunch. A bakery exactly. And in a shop of some sort. George Clooney moves in next boy, door. Oh Miss The bakery burns down, so they have to open a, di- a shop, which is different. And then Mrs. Garrett moves to Africa and convinces her sister, played by Cloris Leachman, to take over. That's not true, is it? Yeah. Oh, my God. So, it, I mean, it doesn't go quite as in batshit insane no. as Family Matters. Yeah, that's the, but, that's the high watermark of, of insanity right there. But when you set something out of school and you want to retain all of the same actors, yeah. there's going to come a point where it's like, okay, we have to change something about this because these people are too old to still be at this school. And honestly, that's... That's the big transition spinoff uh, vehicle for a lot of these shows. It's like we hired a bunch of kids. Right. Now they're not kids anymore. College years. College years it is. Yeah. Um, but for this episode we're talking about today, we're squarely in season three. Yep. We're firmly in the world of boarding school hijinks and teen angst. Mm-hmm. Those being the major engines that drive this show. And as Chelsea mentioned, show. we are settled into Joe, Blair, Tootie, Natalie. Forever. Forever. And Miss Garrett. Uh, the theme song reinforces oh, this. It's energetic and bouncy, and it just it's one of those theme songs that features scenes from the show. Mm-hmm. The five main characters cavorting. Yes. Gives a flavor of their personalities and shows that they all get along, and sometimes they get in over their heads. Uh-oh, watch out. But that song is written by motherfucking Alan Thicke. Yes, Alan Thicke. Take the good, take the bad, take them both. There you have. The facts F- of life. Facts of life, y'all. Oh, God Alan rest Thicke. you, Alan Thicke. I hope My that God, you're getting songs like... stuck in God's mind now. <laughs> okay, so the title of this episode is Runaway. This episode is going to deal with teen runaways, the consequences of teen runaways, which is linked to homelessness, right. sex trafficking, sex work. It just so happens that November is National Homeless Youth Awareness Month. Since 2007, November has been a time to acknowledge children and families experiencing homelessness, which encompasses as many as 2.5 million youth per year. Destabilizing is a, an understatement. You lose your sense of safety, and many homeless youth are also victims of trauma. And they're exposed to countless dangers, including an increased likelihood of substance abuse, impulsivity, depression, PTSD, vulnerability to being trafficked, all of these things. This episode is really going to skim the surface. Uh, They all do. I mean, this is a common Yeah, within the format. Yeah, this one doesn't really delve deep into... I mean, it does introduce consequences. Yeah. But most of the time, it's like, oh, I went out to this thing, and then some stranger talks me into going back. Or I tried to leave my house, but then my father caught me and something. It's so light. We're going to get into this episode and the way that it handles this, and then at the end, I'll give you a little bit of... A few really great resources, if you feel like November would be a good time for you to support the efforts that are being made to help people who are experiencing youth homelessness because as my depressing research pointed out, the yeah. problem of child sex trafficking is getting worse. It's gotten much worse since the 80s. Great. 
So we start this sitcom episode. <laughs> so Natalie Blair and Joe are all getting ready for a trip to New York to see a Broadway matinee. Yeah, and the writer has done a great job of setting up their characters very quickly in this moment. Natalie is excited and asking everyone if she's dressed correctly. Joe is rolling her eyes and Blair is blasé about the whole thing. Blair is the rich girl. We just assume she's been to a million Broadway matinees. And just look, if you're like, if we, if we're anywhere in this podcast and you're like, what's Natalie doing right now? Or what's Joe doing right now? Just remember the descriptions Chelsea just gave, because that's exactly <laughs> what they're doing at every damn second. So they've all gotten their parents' permission to go to New York by themselves on a train to see a, a Broadway musical, except... Except for Tootie. Tootie has not. Her parents wisely said, I don't want you to go into the city. Right. You're a child. And Tootie is probably supposed to be, what, 14 or Maybe. something, yeah, right? Yeah, something like that. Just I'd a say little 14 younger. is good. Her parents say she's she's not old enough, and Mrs. Garrett puts her foot down and says it's not up to me, it's up to your parents, you yeah. can't go, and Tootie is very upset. And she is, we, we need to mention this, and it's not a surprise, we've forgotten her. You know, Facts of Life, the, the character Miko... Yeah. Who's always there. I didn't forget because I looked her up. Oh, you did? Well, I was like, she looks so familiar to me. I'm surprised the IMDb page didn't blow off some dust when you typed it in. Oh my God. This, what, really? Well, no, her, the actress's name is Lauren Tom, and she's she's got a like Rich Carell length IMDb. My she's friend been Rich in Carell? everything, yes. Hashtag be my friend I remembered friend. her because she was, she played Ross's girlfriend, Julie, on seven episodes of Friends. Well, there you go. Um, but she was also in the Joy Luck Club, and she's she's been in a thousand things. Well, shit, my apologies, Miko. I just knew that you weren't going to last very long on this show. <laughs> that made broad assumptions. But Miko is is also not going to New York, and she is the sympathetic ear. Tootie's complaining about how she wants to go, and it's not, it's not fair. fair, and she wants to be an actress, and how is she going to be an actress if she can't go see Broadway shows? I'm, I'm curious as to if, if Tootie is always saying that she's going to be an actress, or if that's just shoehorned in right now to give her a reason to want to yeah. go. I don't know. I don't either. Tootie seems pretty nebulous. Um, <laughs> but I mean, she's got more of a character than the other three because her character description, like Joe is tough and streetwise. Blair is rich and stuck up. Natalie is goofy and hungry. Congratulations. <laughs> and Tootie is just like young and naive. And it's like that actually leaves room for, for right. things to do. So yes, she is incensed about not being able to go. Mrs. Garrett has taken the other girls to the train station and Tootie says, well, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to. And actually, it's pretty easy for her to get there because she just gets on a train yeah. and she goes straight to New York. I mean, they must be in, they're in upstate somewhere, so it takes an hour or two. Can we do a quick, uh, what was that racist remark segment on our show? Oh, great. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Not something that we did. Let's, let's point out a confusing joke. Because, you know, I've got to be confused about at least one joke. So Miko says, if you take all the girls' ages and put them together, they're like two adults. And Mrs. Garrett's like, is that the, is that the new math? I can't do it, Mrs. Garrett. No. I tried, y'all. Is that the new math? Miko goes, how would I know? I still use an abacus. Uh, Miko is an Asian American person. I so, don't think that. I think that they would have given that joke to any actress, though. I do don't think it was about her being Asian American and using an abacus. I think it was supposed to be the contrast of old math, the oldest of math, oh, and quote new math, new which was math. like a big punchline at that time because no one All could right. figure out the new math. So Tootie's 
getting out of there. By the way, I'm just going to point this one out for the sake of being upset at this episode. Uh, earlier when they're about to go, Natalie talks about how dangerous New York is. Yeah. And Joe says, yeah, and there's bad sides too. Because she's from New York and she's world weary. And, and she's I, Joe Pesci, apparently. Fucking, yeah, yeah. Must, and Joe. There it is. <laughs> Uh, and I can't fucking stand Joe. I just immediately, I'm like, uh, this type of person who's like, ah, oh, you, oh, you think that's tough. But Joe's streetwise nature is going to come in handy later in terms of sure. exposition. But uh, at what cost? But this is also New York in, New York in the 80s. This is like pre-Giuliani. Yeah. This is before Disney took over Times Square. Sure. This is really, to go see a show in Times Square in the 80s is a much seedier experience, a much more dangerous experience than it yeah. is now. And you know what? I don't think any amount of 16-year-olds should be going unsupervised. No. Just any yeah. city. I didn't go to a science museum without a bevy of fucking <laughs> teachers coming with me. But we have a very clear call to adventure in terms of the hero's journey. Sure. Tootie wants to see this show. Her parents won't let her. She wants to be a great actress, so this is not merely inconvenient. It's professionally devastating. She needs <laughs> to get to New York to see the show, and she tells Miko she has to go. And so the call to adventure is coming within herself. Sure. There's no Harold's character. She, she feels the call. And she says not only will she get to see the show if she goes, but she will also prove to her parents and everyone that she's capable of taking care of herself. So it's and, a twofold mission. Well, truly, centrally speaking, it's... I want to be, I'm not immature. I'm not as immature as the rest of the girls, which I think is something she deals with all the time on this yeah, series. The youngest. I'm the youngest, but I'm, I'm as mature as you guys. Right. So she does something frivolous and runs off to New York. Right. Way and to Nico, go. complete enabler. Good God, Nico's she is. Nico's just like patting her on, on the back and shoving her out the door. Listen, <laughs> you should do it, Tootie. Where's the, wear a short skirt. <laughs> so we cross the first threshold, which sure. is super easy to define. The ordinary world is school. Yeah. The special world is New York. Right. Uh, it's very, very clear. And we're in New York at a coffee shop where Joe and Blair and Natalie are sitting because they were not able to get tickets for the show that they went to see. They've missed the opportunity to buy tickets uh, because Blair has gone on a shopping spree. They get to the ticket window and the lady in front of them buys 40 tickets. And Joe says in her tough New York voice, which I will not replicate here, she was a nun. They never go anyplace alone. And you know what, Joe? Sick burn on those nuns. It's not <laughs> a burn as much as it's just true. It's just true. They I have no experience they with don't nuns. Go anywhere alone. I've I've seen a couple lone nuns in the wild. But this is like as solo nuns. An experience. As a person, my my younger sister is a nun. Uh, she doesn't go anywhere without her sisters, especially to entertainment. Okay. They always go together. That's nice. Um, yeah, it's great. They just get in a van and they go, man. I guess it's. <laughs> It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what they got to do, man. So they have ended up in this coffee shop. The yep. three older girls. Blair finds this coffee shop to be way below her stuck no. up standards. She can't even order because there's hair in her menu. Yeah. And Blair says, uh, as though it's the most hideous thing in the world, there's only one man in the whole place wearing a suit. And street smart Joe says, oh, you mean the pimp? And Natalie and Blair are scandalized. Sure. They're like, how do you know that that guy's a, a pimp? And she says, look at all the girls around him. He's basically glued to that payphone. Yeah. Those are clients calling. He's going to tell one of the girls to go. And then, <laughs> and that's exactly what happens. He hangs up the phone. He motions a girl over. He 
whispers something in her ear and she walks out the door. And, and we so, know that Joe could have just said, look at him. He's got a pocket square, for God's sake. <laughs> He's got a pocket square in a coffee shop. Yeah. So Joe talks, the, lays the all this height, out. The height of pimpish class. <laughs> a pocket square in a coffee shop. <laughs> Joe is not bothered by this at all. But Natalie and Blair are so scandalized, they immediately leave the diner. They yeah. get up and run out. So now we have established that New York City is a very troubled world. Mm-hmm. It's dirty. There are sex workers and pimps. And sometimes nuns steal all your tickets. Hairs are on menus, people. And while it seems like these three other girls can probably handle themselves, we also know now that Tootie is in this world somewhere alone, and her safety seems like less of a sure bet, especially because we know that she won't have been able to get a ticket either. Right. So that whole plan of meeting them at the theater is now... What's going to happen? What's going to happen to Tootie? Uh, We go back to Eastland School where Mrs. Garrett has found out about Tootie and she is quirkily apoplectic. She is giving Miko unshirted hell about not stopping Tootie and then covering up for Tootie for several hours, it sounds like. Then the phone rings and Mrs. Garrett answers and it's Joe. And she says, oh, Joe, I'm so glad you called. Put Tootie on the phone. And Joe's like, Tootie's not with us. She hasn't met up with us. And then Charlotte Ray, the actress playing Mrs. Garrett, gives us some of the best phone acting I've ever I, seen. I wrote it down here. Gold medal, world-class phone acting. <laughs> because God. we do not hear anybody else. No. We're just like stuck on Charlotte Ray. I really believed that there was someone on the other end of that phone call. Yeah, was, I mean, It sure. was real good. And that person was overacting as well. <laughs> uh-huh. So uh, Mrs. Garrett announces that she's driving into the city to pick up the older girls and to stay where they are at the theater and not, not go anywhere. So, so Ms. Ms. Garrett's the on the case. <laughs> right. So back to the coffee shop. Right. Tootie shows up at the yeah. same place the other girls just left. It must be like right next door, across the street or whatever. She's freezing cold, alone, really on edge. She realizes she, her coat's been stolen. She realizes that she's lost her wallet. It's been stolen on the subway. Yep. And thus she can't pay for lunch or any food at the coffee shop. And the waitress, who we will come to find out is named Bernice, yep. says, you got to leave. The You got to leave. She is. She is zero nonsense. Zero nonsense. Tootie is freaking out because she has nowhere to go. She has mm-hmm. no money. She has no way to get home with no money. She can't buy a ticket. She doesn't know where her friends are. And then a young, a young girl walks over. Yeah, Christy walks over. Mm-hmm. Christy is played by Tammy Lauren or mm-hmm. Tammy Loren, who, yes, was a soap opera actress, but also appeared in the movie Wishmaster. Oh. Wishmaster. Be careful what you wish for. Wishmaster. Nice. Which, if you've never seen, is just... I feel like I just saw it based on... I mean, that's basically it. What you said. Why don't you wish for something? I will aggressively misinterpret (laughs) it. Now you're dead. Let's do this for the next hour and a half. Wishmaster. We recognize that she's a sex worker because we saw her earlier Mm -hmm. when uh, Joe was giving us the rundown. And... She looks no older than Tootie. I mean, she looks, she's got makeup on and a fur coat and she's dressed much more uh, maturely, Mm -hmm. but she's still very much an early teenager. If anything, she is a wish apprentice at this point. (laughs) Christy comes over and she says to the waitress, I'll take care of Tootie's bill. I'll Mm. take care of her bill. And she's comforting and she's very beautiful. And she sits down next to Tootie and she's just very friendly and confident and she puts Tootie at ease. Yeah, seems like she's found a friend. Yeah, and Tootie says, where do you go to school? And Christy says, oh, I don't go to school anymore. I work now. I'm an actress and a model. And and the pimp is watching all of this with interest. I'm sorry, who is watching this? The pimp. What's his name? We don't know yet. Why? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. We're going to wait for the big reveal. Well, I mean, his name is Mike. Pimp Mike. <laughs> I know. <laughs> pimp Mike. 
You know pimps with their real commonplace names like Mike. I bet he isn't in the scene yet because he's busy hanging out with Pimp Jimmy and Pimp Chad. Pimp Mike. Give me a break. So what's the, what's the name of that pimp whose book Iceberg Slim. <laughs> That's a proper name. That's a pimp name. name. A Find me name. a like Lucius. Find me a fucking <laughs> delicious Sneed. Something like that. D- truth be told, I put my name <laughs> into into a um, Wu-Tang Clan <laughs> generator. And my, my name was Delicious Andy Sneed. <laughs> I decided to spell it with a dollar sign. Yes. <laughs> but you know what it didn't yes. shoot out? Pimp Andy. Because no one would want to do that. No lady respects regular Andy, let alone Pimp Andy. Anyway, Pimp yeah. Mike <sighs> is watching all this with interest. And remember, Tootie wants to be an actress. So now Christy right. has said, I'm an actress and I, you know, in New York. And Tootie just has stars in her eyes. Mike clears his throat and Christy knows she has to Pimp go. Mike has to go back out to the streets and it seems up to this point she's just been actually genuinely being nice to Tootie and having a conversation with her but then Mike asks her what's that all about yeah and he refers to Uh, Tootie and he says she's got the look no no Mike look she doesn't the look of complete naivete the look of abject youth the look of a bowl cut and braces the look of a recently removed headgear <laughs> like what nothing about 2D is sexual at all perhaps your in pimp the name, least perhaps your pimp name should be unsavvy mike <laughs> i mean mike the look she looks like someone who a people are care about and will be here to pick her up at some point yeah. and b there's just nothing sexual about Tootie at, at all. all. Or specifically troubled. No. She looks like the sort of person who's going to stand in the middle of a department store and scream until somebody helps her. <laughs> That's true. If she can't find the escalator. <laughs> and Mike announces to Christy, you know what to do. I want her. And sends Christy back over oh, to Tootie to try to recruit her. Not before Christy gives him some, some guff, which is not... Is not the pimp way. I read a book. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I read a book. I read a book. Anyway, look, she gives him some guff, and he gently says, "But maybe you should go back over there and get this woman to become a prostitute." Is that that's the the basic implication right away, right? Yeah, he wants yeah, yeah. To re- He's trying to recruit. Sure. Her. So there's a. I read this New York Times article from 2009 called mm. Four Runaways: Sex Buys Survival." <laughs> an actual pimp. Named Mr. Thurman. There you go. Says, I look for a younger female with a backpack. He used to drive near schools after hours. I'm thinking she's leaving home. She's leaving for a reason. She had a fight with her parents and she just wants to leave home. You're looking for desperation. You're looking for out of options. Yeah. Which I guess Tootie has a little bit of in this scene, but she definitely looks like someone that someone's going to come looking for. Yeah, absolutely. Soon. She doesn't have the look of somebody who's like, my parents don't care about me anymore. It's ridiculous. This this episode has to somehow get us into a world in which Tootie is being recruited for sex trafficking. So I guess they Mike's got to say all this stuff. But in actuality, based on my own eyes and my research, there is not really any chance that a, a pimp would see someone that looks like Tootie and go, she's ripe for the picking. Yeah. That's my next mark. But, uh, you know, Christy uh, goes to work and Pimp Mike 
uses the payphone, which is just not a aggressive thing to do. (laughs) To use a payphone? Yeah. He's leaning on it. Yeah. That pocket square is really undoing a lot of that. Yeah. Mike doesn't doesn't have so much of a character either. All right. So now it's the end of Act One. We're going to take a quick break uh, to do a segment that I totally planned on and did not just come up with right now. Great. We are going to use uh, the pasteeaters.net pimp name generator. Chelsea, your pimp name is Ho-Teaser Dog. I object. We're going to see if this bit makes it onto the air with my pimp name. I mean, this isn't bad. So I put in my own name. And turns out my pimp name is Cap Poppin' Andy Freak Nasty. <laughs> so Miles' pimp name, which needs some work, <laughs> is Flava M. Honey. That's the least offensive of all it's of them. It's not bad. All right, pasty I, I believe it's Mr. Freak Nasty to you. <laughs> oh, here we go. Your pimp name is C-Rad. I can live with that. It's innocuous. That's all you want. It's fine. That's all you want out of this exercise. I don't want to be a pimp. Um, so if you have anything to say to me, please use my entire name. <laughs> and ironically, you could call me Mr. Nasty if you are, in fact, nasty. So okay. tack two. Yeah, no. Uh, off the rails is the best place to be. <laughs> Where is your comfort zone? In that ditch? <laughs> so we're in act two now. Yes, and we are uh, approaching the inmost cave. So Tootie and Christy have been out glancing around for the rest of the girls and have not found them. And Christy begins what I like to call prosta recruitment. <laughs> prosta recruitment. Prosta recruitment. But we is... don't say prostitute. We say sex worker. Oh, we do? Yep. Is that is it honestly yep. an offensive word? Yes. Why is that? Because the people who do the work would like to be called sex workers and Oof. they get to decide. You're going to hate some of these other jokes I got. Yeah. Don't say hooker. Don't say prostitute. Don't say hoe. We say sex worker. In spite of the corny jokes and the terrible haircuts and the laugh track, as a viewer, I do find a small panic rising in myself. It's nighttime now. Tootie is alone. She has no money. It's Times Square in the 80s. And, I mean, the pimp is circling around her like a shark, and the one ally she thinks she's found is actually a shapeshifter archetype. Sure. It's, it's legitimately scary. I mean, that's what they intend. And I know it will all work out, and the writers are just sort of skimming the surface of the realities of this. Yeah. But it's still dark stuff. For this format, it's kind of like, oh, is this how Tootie gets lost, you know? Sure. In it's a world also, where we don't know she comes back next episode. I just, I don't feel like it's great storytelling personally as far as sitcoms are concerned to have a character be in danger that they don't understand and unable to make a choice towards one end or the other well, until, much later, until much until later until much later yeah but, but it's just we're not heightening a problem it's just Tootie's getting deeper and deeper yes. based on one decision which it just feels a little oversimplified yeah. to me. And Christy wants to call the whole recruitment scheme off. She but does. Mike, Mike makes it clear she needs to make it work. Christy says to Tootie, as long as you're in trouble, you might as well make the most of it. Stay here with me this weekend. I have my own place. Yep. We'll have a blast. And Bernice, the formerly cold waitress, has now taken an interest in all of this. She has. And she's keeping a weather eye on this conversation. Yeah, so Christy is is all about these new experiences. She's just going to introduce mm-hmm. her to famous people. And Tootie falls for this hooker, line, and sinker. <sighs> nope. Okay. Pip Mike gently <laughs> creeps up on Tootie by saying, Hi, 
Good job, Hit Mike. You're <laughs> yeah. really, ooh, devastating. Christy is going in for the hard sell now. She says almost everyone she knows is an actor or a producer or an agent, mm-hmm. and she can take Tootie around and introduce her to all of these people. And, like, Tootie, this is catnip. She can't, she just can't, she can't. get away from no, this. Absolutely not. And Mike smarms over and goes in for the kill. Hi. Um, and we cut away. Hi. Hi. It's me, Pin Mike. <laughs> Would you like to be a sex worker for me? It's okay if you don't. I'll just go. No, bye. All the sex workers hate me. <laughs> what? You will? Thanks. That was a little play it's called low key. Mike's entire day. <laughs> it's like Napoleon Dynamite became a pimp. Is that what's happening? Mom, I know it's my God-given name, but shouldn't I use a different name than Pimp Mike? <laughs> All the other pimps are making fun of me. Mom, no, I don't want to talk to Dad. No. Hi, Dad. <laughs> This is a day in the life of Pimp Mike. He's the most ineffective pimp I've ever seen. Oh my god. So, we go to scene two, which is in front of the theater, yes. where the girls are once again checking for Tootie. And Miss Garrett has joined them. Mrs. Garrett, Mrs. Garrett is, is here is now. Here. And she says they're not leaving New York until they find Tootie. Yeah. And then there's a really overly long bit. First of all, they are returning to the theater after wandering around to look for Tootie, which I get is a good impulse, but she literally knows one place in New York right. and it's right there. Maybe one or two people should stay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, you know, uh, or also. like a cop could get involved. Like you could ask oh a cop God, to what help about you. That? So they're back in front of the theater and there's a guy who's trying to scalp tickets and he's sort of sidling over to them and the girls think they're being solicited for sex and it's yeah. this whole bit. And I guess we're supposed to, this is supposed to be like we need a laugh at this point because it's sure. gotten so dark over in the coffee shop. But anyway, it's a misunderstanding and everyone's incensed. Meanwhile, Tootie is actually being recruited into sex work yeah. across the street. Sure. There is this moment where Joe says, I don't want to worry you, but I'm shook. And I wrote, is <laughs> this, I wrote, is this the earliest recorded usage of I'm shook? Oh my God. And then earlier, Natalie says, they're hookers. And what Joe means to say is, yes, they are your basic hookers. Instead, she says, you're, you're basic. basic, which is not what she meant yes. to do. This is groundbreaking television, <laughs> unintentionally really groundbreaking television. Joe is telepathically beaming in the slang from the late 20 teens into early 1980s. Yeah. But anyway, so someone actually has a good idea, which is to call the school and see if, if Tootie has shown back up sure. over there. And they remember, oh, there's a phone in that coffee shop we were in earlier. And it definitely works because a pimp was using yeah, it. Yeah, if we could get that pimp to move away from it for five minutes, maybe we could call the school. <laughs> so they head over to the coffee shop. It's a race against time because Tootie is still in the coffee shop and her allies are heading over but she's already agreed to leave and go to Christy's apartment. There was a moment where they were like, oh, she said, oh, if I'm going to stay for the weekend, I have to call the school. And Christy said, you can call from my apartment. And she agreed to go. Now, as you pointed out, up to this point, Tootie does not know what is going on. Yeah. She thinks she has made a friend with a girl who has an older kind of sad friend named Mike. And (laughs) they're going to go to Christy's apartment and Christy's going to take her around to meet all these people and to facilitate her acting career. And she does not understand that this has anything to do with sex work or that Mike has anything to do with the invitation or any of that. I probably wouldn't have known I was being recruited into sex work as a 14-year-old. Right. I would have been surprised. (laughs) You know I'm real chubby though, right? (laughs) And they're like, takes all kinds. Yay! Um, Acceptance. 
Tootie is there and she's she gets to talking with Bernice, yeah, the, the she's waitress. So excited about going. She's spilling all of her hopes and dreams yes. and how exciting it is. And it's an adventure, she keeps saying. Yes. And Bernice finally fills her in on what Mike and Christy actually do yeah. for a living. This information from Bernice hits Tootie like a ton of bricks. And now that she knows the truth, now she gets to make that choice like yeah. you were talking about. Or try to escape, really. It's not a choice. She's not going to choose to go <laughs> be a sex worker. Um, it's, a, it's a spinoff. It's a backdoor pilot. So, the, But this is the supreme ordeal. This is the climax. Can she escape in time? She made a terrible decision mm-hmm. at the very top of the show, which has led to this very dangerous place that she's now in. Her allies are on the way, but can she actually, can she get out Yeah, in time to be saved? Christy comes back from the bathroom. She has done her hair in there, and she's so excited about going to her apartment. They should go to her apartment. Let's go to my apartment. Mm-hmm. Be in my apartment, she keeps saying. And Tootie's like, I know who you are. She's just screaming at her. Yeah. And Christy gives, Christy gives a real, like tired old sex worker speech. Yeah. If you can picture somebody doing a dramatic speech as a sex worker you got it a child but she's it's heartbreaking because she's so young and she's wearing this like little fur coat but also leg warmers and she says when i got here i had nothing but now i have an apartment and super new clothes and one day i'm gonna be a great actress and mike takes care of me and i owe him a lot and it's just like heartbreaking and all tootie can respond is oh christy that's yeah. all she says. Everybody's oh, got world weary real yeah. fast. And this is con- contradicted by the fact that Christy is now pleading with Tootie. So Christy's like, okay, well, I can't trick you into coming home with me anymore. Change tactics. Please come home with me so Mike won't get mad at me. Yeah. Please come home. He gets so mad. Just for tonight, nothing will happen. Just come with me. He's so, so I can, mad. So I've I heard him raise face. his voice one time. <laughs> and then there's a moment of like, is Tootie actually so nice that she's going to go with this girl just so well, she doesn't get pimp slapped or beaten. Here's the thing. And, and it's confusing to me as, as, as to whether Christy believes that just come to my house and everything will be fine is her intention. She plays it like she did when she was being friendly. And it's mm-hmm. really difficult to be like, does she believe this? Does right. she think it's going to be or is okay? This a trick? Yeah. Yeah. And then Mike does get angry because Tootie refuses to go with them and Mike gets angry and and he says, you're allowed to change your mind. I just wonder if someone had, you know, tipped you off or like gave you some help changing it. I'd like to point out real quick that it appears at this scene that Mike is wearing a members only trench coat. (laughs) Well, he is, you know, living the high life. So I'm going to buy a trench coat. I hope members only can be there for me. (laughs) God. So Christy is very... Nervous now. Mike yep. is yelling in the diner at what passes for Mike yelling. And uh, <laughs> Tootie is still, I guess, sort of in danger, although it seems the the greatest danger has passed because she yeah. said, I'm not going with you. And Bernice is still hanging around in the background. So I'm like, I feel like Bernice is going to step sure. in if they try to kidnap her. And into this incredibly tense moment walks Mrs. Garrett and the other girls. Tootie, she and, screams. Yeah. Can I tell you, at this moment, I am itching for a Mrs. Garrett and Pimp Mike showdown right. that we do not get. That we get. do not get. I itch to this day. They're so happy to have found Tootie. They all hug, and it's time to go home. And that's, that's it. it. They just leave yeah, Ms. Garrett Christy says there. They, they're outside, and, and Tootie gives one last look 
in on Christy. And oh, it's a Garrett. long lingering moment. Like they, uh, I think Natalie says, who's that? Cause Tootie's looking at Christy and Christy and, uh, and Tootie says, just a girl I was talking to. Yeah. And then they go outside the coffee shop for a long moment. And it's just, it's Tootie looking in on Christy and Mrs. Garrett's hand on Tootie's shoulder. So you're like, Tootie's going to be fine. Yeah. And Christy just by herself in her little fur coat, like in the coffee shop, kind mm-hmm. of at the mercy of New York City and these elements that are swirling around her. Twice, I assume, we have entered a freeze frame. And mm-hmm. it is such a long, like, now we're looking. Oh, no, they're moving. And then, oh, yeah. the people in the coffee shop are moving. Right. It kind of indicates that there are a lot of Christies with no way out. You know, this is where sure. they leave it. They're like, well, we managed to get 2D out of this situation, but other women are not so nothing lucky. nothing we can do for Christy. Am I a good pimp? <laughs> Am I doing good at pimping? I mean, just tell me. I would love this character to continue, but I'm falling asleep doing pimp. My well, let's take this to let's take this to a real place. So, oh, okay. So back to that article, that 2009 New York Times article. I'm just gonna hit you with some quotes Do to it. put this in a context. So. Nearly a third of children who flee or are kicked out of their homes each year engage in sex for food, drugs, or a place to stay. Mm. This dangerous barter system quickly escalates into more formalized prostitution when mm. money changes hands. Sure. And then child welfare workers and police officials say it becomes extremely difficult to help runaways get off the streets. They become entangled in abusive relationships, and the law begins to view them as teenage criminals instead of underage victims. Yeah. So that's a big problem in terms of how our system is set up. Um, estimates of how many children are involved in prostitution vary wildly, ranging from thousands to tens of thousands. And as I said, it's getting it's getting worse. It's been getting worse since this episode was made mm. in the 80s. Um, there are steep barriers to rescuing these kids, state cuts to mental health services, welfare agencies incapable of preventing them from running away again, and very few places where people can receive help and counseling. It's really kind of bleak, not kind of, it's incredibly bleak out there. Bradley Miles, the deputy director of the Polaris Project, when this article was written, said these kids enter prostitution and they literally disappear. And I think if this episode did anything well, it was that last lingering image that I feel like that drove that moment home of, oh, no one's coming to rescue Christy. Right. And she has all these dreams and and ideas of what her life could be at this very young age that have no way of materializing. Right. Uh, There are some great organizations, though, doing some really awesome work, and I'll put all of their links in the description box and on our website. The Polaris Project, which I just mentioned, is a nonprofit based in Washington that uses data-driven strategies to prevent and disrupt human trafficking. The Girls Education and Mentoring Service, GEMS, G-E-M-S, is a program in New York that helps girls escape and stay away from prostitution. And Covenant House, which is has a branch in New York and has a branch here in L.A. and I'm sure lots of others, provides housing and supportive services to youth facing homelessness. And they help youth transform their lives and put them on a path to independence. So sure. as I mentioned before, November is National Homeless Youth Awareness Month. And if this episode brings up things for you and you're like, man, how can I help? There are awesome organizations out there doing the Lord's work. There's also just as far as bringing it back to to television, there is a show going on right now. I've seen the first season of it and it's interesting. It's an interesting look. It's called the deuce. It was created, created by uh, the wire creator, David Simon, 
who is really good at picking apart the social institutions that let us down and how we can work within them. So it's taking a look at both like the bar scene and the prostitution scene and the porn scene in New York in, I think, the 70s. the 70s. Yeah, it's great. It's a great watch. It humanizes these people in a way. It's also positive, sympathetic look at these people and not just an exploitative outing for, you know, mm-hmm. look at this. This guy's shooting that guy. Looky what? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not meant to be like stark entertainment. There's something in that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we, we finish up with this episode. Yeah. And then the credits are something we haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. It's what I like to call the episode's greatest hits, where they're playing <laughs> the theme song and then they're just showing various moments from the episode we just watched. Yeah. It's like, look at that. Remember this time? <laughs> Remember that Ten time? Ten minutes ago? Oh, Mrs. Garrett did that thing. <laughs> and it's pretty much that. And then it's over. Who do you think this was supposed to be warning oh, no. about a thing. No, no, I, I don't think so. I, I think that this is one of those episodes that panders to the idea of a family watching it. Yeah, because I feel like this is only, this has got to be targeted at adults, right? It's got to be like, don't let your kids run around sure. New York City by themselves. Because it isn't like, like Tootie <sighs> didn't know what was happening, A, and then as soon as she did, she was like, no, I'm not going with you. Yeah. So it isn't like, Tootie actually learned anything except don't run away to New York City without telling anyone? And honestly, have you ever encountered a sex worker? I believe I have. I have in Chicago when a woman, I was walking home from Second City to Wicker Park and it was the it was wintertime and a woman in a red Toyota Camry uh, pulled up next to me and asked me if I needed a hoe. Hmm. And I said, no, thank you. And hmm. she was like, have a good night. Oh. She's on her way. Uh, then she gave me hot chocolate and she invited me to her apartment where I could use her phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And pimp Ira <laughs> with her. And it was like, hey, you want to be like friends or something? Mm-hmm. It was a harrowing experience. You're now, like, I'm good. I don't think this is necessarily for people who don't know better. You could do a better don't run away from home story. Uh, but again, this does seem sort of like, hey, parents, watch this and freak out about things. And if your kids are there, you're being a good parent. It truly became not about the consequences of Tootie's decision to run away mm. as much as an exercise in dramatic irony. And for a long time, we knew what was happening and she didn't. Yeah. And we knew where she was and Mrs. Garrett and the three older girls didn't. Yeah. And so it was a lot of us being like, well, will they all figure it out in time? Sure. As opposed to someone actively making choices based on things they were learning. Yeah. So it's kind of a strange, I don't really know even how to evaluate it because it's kind of, in terms of the hero's journey and in terms of a very special episode, I don't exactly know who we're talking to and I don't exactly know if that person learned anything. They didn't know what the, bega- the like the hero, yeah. did she learn anything because she, I mean, maybe the only thing she learned was like, don't run away. Maybe. Here's, I'll throw out this theory that we can't necessarily apply here, but let's try to remember for the next time we do a a Facts of Life episode, of which there are dozens and dozens. The first episode is a very special episode, and they do not stop. (laughs) My theory is that the story is never, this person makes a choice, they have to do this, so on and so forth. That's sort of the story that happens. The overarching theme of every episode is these girls are trying to work their way into being women what trials and tribulations are they meeting along the way? Yeah, which, look, it's so rare to have a sitcom 
I can't even think of one right now where the entire central cast is women. No, you'd be hard pressed. It's, it's, I mean, there there were many attempts at it. I mean, I'm glad this show exists, and I'm glad they're taking on dark, heavy issues, especially for, well, I haven't even mentioned this yet, but like the idea of being sex trafficked is not that it doesn't happen to young boys, but it's a very female sure. issue to take yeah. on. It's, it's a thing that a boarding school full of girls would, I, I guess if they're that close to New York, have to at some point deal with, I guess. even though I wonder if Tootie even tells the other girls what happened. Like she doesn't turn around and say, that's a sex worker and that's a pimp. And she if it does, weren't for Bernice, she does at, at one point, uh, Miss Garrett says, where have you been? She's like, if it's all right with you, I'll tell you on the way home. Mm-hmm. I hope that she returned with the elixir to the ordinary world and shared her knowledge and made them all a little savvier. That's so. th- that would be the best conclusion of the hero's <clears throat> she journey. She need but... to bring a dynamite, a bunch of <laughs> dynamite to to move them forward as characters. That's just not going to happen. Joe to be like, hey, no, it's not so bad out there. No, it's, for well, it's me, worse. a good fella <laughs> like Joe. <laughs> So let's get into this because I have an embarrassing admission to make. Oh, uh, who would you like to hug? Uh, Christy. I guess Christy as well. I feel. I would like to hug her, and then I would like to put her in my car, and I would like to drive her somewhere sure. away. So that works for you. For me, it's just creepy. yeah. You can't do that. I can't do that. Like hug her, and then call you to bring your car yes. to come pick her up. And what did you learn? I guess I learned that if you're going to try to scalp tickets in front of our Broadway theater, you could just like be way more direct about it. If you're walking sideways and holding your trench coat around you like you're about to flash a bunch of ladies, it's like the worst way to approach someone to sure. get some to get some tickets off of them. Sure. What did I learn from this episode? Mm-hmm. You know, b- being mature isn't necessarily proving yourself in doing mature things or things that you could, you know, objectively say that was a mature thing that I did. There is a matureness to doing the smart thing and doing the responsible thing that is just as important. Mm -hmm. And there is a, there's wisdom in knowing your own limitations. Like, right. Like if you're named pimp, Mike, get out the game, right? You are, nobody (laughs) wants you to be a pimp. And if your name is Tootie, maybe don't go to New York and have a solo adventure until people start calling you Dorothy, which is your actual name, that? and stop calling you Tootie. When you go by Dorothy, you will be old enough to go to New York by yourself. When you go by Pimp Mike, think about your life. <laughs> so that is Facts of Life episode Runaway. Hey, Andy, what are we watching next time? We are watching the show MacGyver, the episode Black Rhino. That is season five, episode eight of MacGyver. And you can watch it right now on Amazon Video, which is included free with Amazon Prime. Good old MacGyver. The most beautiful mullet in all the land. Truly, truly it outstanding. floats like a cloud. It's, it's party in the front and eagle wings in the back. <laughs> As a reminder, get us your addresses right into us. If you have done any of the Click or Treat promotional things on social media, please remember that next week we will be doing the drawing for the grand prize. The very special prize package. A very special prize episode. It will be very exciting. You'll get a shout out on the air and we can't really mail you the prize package if we don't have your address. You said so it'll, it'll be over. very exciting like Pimp Mike would say. It was very exciting. It'll be very exciting. It'll be very exciting. Now I'm getting angry. Do you want a mug? There's nothing right. in it. I'm we'll stupid. You. I'm going to go. We'll see you next time, guys. Go back to my pimp home. Bye. Bye. Bring Zach's.